This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Now I want to give you, very practical message, five keys to understanding and relating to God. I guess, I, I guess a better way to say that, folks, is five investments that you would make that pay huge dividends. Here's the first one. If you want to feel God again, you must listen to the language of God. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Have you ever called out to God, but just don't feel Him there? My name's Aaron, and you're listening to Today with Jeff Vines. And if you've ever experienced that, this is a very timely episode that we're going to hear from Pastor Jeff. In this episode, he's going to be speaking from 1 Corinthians, and he has some advice for when we don't sense God's presence. I'm excited to jump into this episode, and if you want to find more episodes just like this or listen to an entire series, open your favorite podcast app and search for Today with Jeff Fines. Make sure to check out the rest of these messages, and we'll jump into this one together. In your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll get back to that passage. A couple of years, actually probably more like five or six years before my mom died, um, we had a conversation in the living room of our home. And uh, as soon as she asked if she could speak with me, I knew it was going to be a different conversation than I'd ever had with, uh, with my mom. She's, uh, she was outgoing, uh, sanguine, uh, extrovert, and uh, I could tell this was serious. And I said, sure, sure, no, no problem, Mom. And uh, we sat down on the couch, and she said, look, I have a problem. And it was the way she said it that I knew immediately that she was now talking to me as a pastor, not as her son. This would be the first time she ever did that. And I was a little nervous about it. And it was, it, she didn't say it, but the look on her face was like, well, you know, it's time for us to get a little bit of our... Uh, uh, money back on this undergrad and graduate degree. Maybe we can use you as a pastor here or something like that. You know, she didn't pay for everything, but you know, that's kind of the way I felt. The mom said, okay, time for you to, you know, do something. And I said, well, what can I help you with? And she goes, well, I've got a problem. I said, what's your problem? She goes, I've, I've got a problem uh, with God. And I want to tell you, when your mom tells you that, if you're a pastor or whatever, you think, Man, my, this is my mother. She's taught me. She brought me up in church. Me, what do you mean you got a problem with God? And I said, are you angry with God? And she goes, I wish I were. So what do you mean? She goes, at least that would be some emotion. She said, I, I don't feel anything. I said, well, you don't feel God? Mom, why don't you feel God? She goes, that's what I'm asking you. <laughs> and I can tell you, I was, oh, you know, I'm probably in my uh, mid-30s. And you got your mother asking, you got your mother telling you that she doesn't feel God? Folks, I believe that if you will let me, I can help you. Because this is not unique to my mom. Everybody goes through seasons of this. 
Some of you go through very long seasons of this. Some people go through an entire lifetime of this. And you wonder why you just don't feel God. And if you'll give me just a little bit of your time and attention, if you'll just focus in here, I believe I can really help you. This is going to be the most practical sermon I have ever preached. I'm not going to try to be profound. I'm not going to try to wow you with some, some motivational story. I want you to hear what I have to say. This is practical. Because there's nothing better in life than when you feel God and his presence. Nothing better. You know why? Because everything else is temporary. And your soul knows it. But when you feel the presence of God, when you feel like he's on you and he's giving you wisdom and he's guiding, he's directing, he's laying out the road before you, man, there is nothing better. And the problem is, if you've lived that kind of life and then you lose it, it's even worse because you remember what it used to be like. I can help you. Pastors go through this. There have been seasons in my life when I did not want to walk out here because I knew I was not close and I did not feel the nearness of God, and this was like a foreign place. Everyone experiences it, but if you'll let me, I can help you. And the reason I can help you is because 27 years of pastoring and dealing with people, I've noticed a pattern now of those who feel the presence of God and those who don't. Those who go through that mountain experience and those who may live most of their lives in the valley. And I'll tell you right up front, if it's, if it's that you don't feel the nearness of God, God has not moved. You have. This is going to be the most practical message you've ever heard from this pulpit anyway. And it all starts with helping you understand that every creature, stay with me now, every creature on the planet has a connecting mechanism in them to connect with the outside world. Every creature on the planet has a connecting mechanism in them to connect with things in the outside world. Matter of fact, I want to show you a, little a few photos here. These are what? Anybody know? These are bats. These are ugly creatures. They're so ugly that when I went on to Google Images and I wanted to find a picture of one bat, I have a bat phobia. I don't know what that's called, but I, they, they just irritate me and they, they scare me a little bit. They, they're just flying rats. That's really all they are. And they look ugly and I just don't like them. But God made them. And he gave them the ability to have this type of sonar whereby they can detect insects. That's how they connect to the outside world. Uh, because they are as blind as a bat. Okay, here's another photo, just quickly. Anybody know what this is? That's right. This is an eel. This is also very ugly. Uh, eels have this ability to send a surge of electricity into their prey. And that's how they connect with the outside. That's how they sense the outside world. Uh, I'm convinced that God did not make the ill. <laughs> that the ill comes from the devil right along with uh, cats. Uh, cats and eels <laughs> come from the devil. And there you have it. Now, here's your third picture. These are pigeons. Uh, pigeons... Uh, have a homing device built in. The way they connect with the outside world is they are able to detect magnetic fields. That's how they get from point A to point B. And of course, we all know they're looking for a park bench somewhere or your car, especially if it's new. And then fourth and finally, how many of you know what this is? That's right. This is a basset hound. 
dogs, especially hound dogs, have this incredible sense of smell that is unfathomable to you and me. We have no idea. And of course, God gave them that ability so they can drag things into the house, right, that we don't really want in the house. Here's my point. We don't understand most often how brilliant the Apostle Paul is in the words he uses to describe us. And in the same way that I said every creature, you know, that bats and pigeons and hound dogs, whatever they are, have this connecting mechanism with the outside world, the Apostle Paul is going to tell you and me that we have a, an, a connecting mechanism with the spiritual world, between us and God, but it has to be kind of awakened in us. Let me show you the way he writes it now. Here's what he says. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And he says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? What he's saying there is that I don't really know you and you don't really know me. You only know what I choose to allow you to know. And people are like that. We can manipulate, coerce, but the only person that knows the real me is the spirit within me and the spirit within you. He goes on to say, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So in the same way, only you know you, only God knows God. Then he goes... What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, God's spirit. We've received it so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Here's what he's saying. There is a mechanism by which we connect to the outside world. For those who are in Christ, we have the spirit of God in us that searches the deep things of God to reveal God to us. So when you came to the cross, and unless you have been to the cross, that mechanism is not awakened in you. Because before you come to the cross, you are a sinner. And God is perfectly pure and holy and cannot fellowship and come into community with sin. But when you come to the cross, God forgives your past, present, future sin. And now you are, you are intrinsically pure. You are righteous because of the blood of Jesus. And God then gives you his Holy Spirit. And the connection and the relationship begins. Now, it all sounds good so far. But the problem is that the Bible, all through the Old and New Testament, refers to the divine romance. That I get to know God in the same way I get to know my wife or a friend. Now, stay with me. Uh, every guy, when he's first married, what does he do? He gets married, checks it off his list. The marriage job is done. Then he goes right back to the way he was living before. Office hours, trying to make a name for himself in the marketplace, climbing another rung of the corporate ladder. He still plays golf with his buddies on the weekend. He does all of this, and he only visits his wife when he needs to. And if he doesn't learn quickly, he doesn't stay married very long, right? That he starts to learn that the only way I'm going to get to know this woman and feel her presence in my life is if I make an investment. Now, don't you wish you could open your Bible, and every time you open it, the hologram comes up and says, this is the Word of God, and God's right there. A little Jesus just pops out. Wouldn't that be good? Then you say, see, I'll show you how I know this is the Word of God. Look at that. But the Bible says that God is a God who likes to be pursued as you pursue a romance, that you will find Him when you seek Him with all of your heart. Now, folks, without intentionality... You will never feel God the way God is meant to be felt. And I want to give you a very practical message. Five, five keys to understanding and relating to God. I guess, I, I guess a better way to say that, folks, is five investments that you would make that pay huge dividends. Here's the first one. If you want to feel God again, you must listen to the language of God. 
Now, I want to take you back to a story. The others will move much more quickly. We go back to Peter. Peter goes up on the mountain of transfiguration in Matthew 17. Peter, James, and John. And what happens? He sees something that is astounding. I don't know what happened on that mountain, but evidently Jesus was able to pull back the humanity and to let the deity shine forth. It was like the Shekinah glory of God. And when Peter saw it, he was so pumped, so motivated that he said, wow, this is so awesome. Let's build three tents and live here. Let's never come down off this mountain. Because what I'm seeing right now Compared to everything else, this is outstanding. Everything else is just average and mundane. So why would I want to go back down to the average mundane world when I could stay here on this mountain in Jesus? Every morning we wake up, we have some breakfast, and you do that cool thing again. And Jesus kind of says to Peter, Peter, it's not the way it is. It doesn't work like that. Peter, the extrovert, the sanguine personality who's had this fantastic experience of seeing God in the flesh and the Shekinah glory of God as he matures in his faith and he gets older, he realizes that there's something greater than that experience. And he writes it like this in 1 Peter. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. What mountain? The mountain of transfiguration. And we have something more sure. This is amazing in the original language. We have something more sure, more dependable. The prophetic word, the graphe, that which is written, the written word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I have something that is more sure than the vision that I had that I can contact, that I can communicate with every single day of my life. The Word of God. That's why when I preach a sermon and somebody says, well, I hear what Pastor Jeff said, but you know what? Until God comes down and tells me directly, I'm not going to change. You've got to be kidding me. When we read the Word, He is telling you directly. He is speaking to you every single day of your life. And if you ever want to feel God the way He's meant to be felt, you've got to be involved in listening regularly to the language of God. There's a man that I know, Ravi Zacharias. I've talked about him a lot, and we continue to develop this friendship. When I'm with Ravi, I'll tell you, this is somebody who exudes with the presence of God. You just Have you ever been in a room with somebody who said, wow, I feel God because this guy's so close. I, I'm, I'm reaping some of the benefits. And I asked Ravi, I said, Ravi, do you ever go through times when you don't feel the presence of God? He said, yes, I used to when I was younger, but it doesn't happen much anymore. I said, why? It happens to everybody. And if you knew how humble this guy was, you'd know it's not a bragging thing. I said, well, he said, he said I, I hated it so much when I felt distant that now every morning I read a chapter in the old and a chapter in the new and I pace the floor and meditate and ask God what lesson he wants to teach me this day. And because I've done that every day for 30 years, I can tell you, I sense God's presence near. He goes on to say this, knowing that his word is constant and eternal and personally applied. Look at that, constant, eternal, his word, and personally applied into every aspect of our life. Let us discipline our wills and minds to hear from him every day. Folks, here's what's interesting. Every conference I've ever done in America, when I go preach somewhere, do a conference, for it's on the East Coast, in the Midwest, right here, Bible colleges, seminaries, wherever it is, the number one question I'm asked by students, by lay people, by pastors, guess what it is? Pastor Jeff, can you help me 
to feel the presence of God in my life? Number one question. There's not even a close number two. And yet, I've not even heard that question one time in all the conferences and conventions and speaking throughout the continent of Africa. I've never had one person say to me, Pastor Jeff, help me feel the presence of God. You know why that is, right? Remember what my friend Anastas said? When I said, Anastas, I don't get these Rwandan pastors when we're preaching in the prisons. Look, they get up at 5.30 in the morning. They welcome the new day in, and they are grateful for the things that God has given, yet they live hand to mouth. They, we have so much more compared to them, and yet they, they never talk about not feeling the presence of God. Why? And Anastas put his arm around me and said, what? That's okay, Jeff. You can't help it. You're an American. <laughs> You're distracted by affluence. We don't hear from God because we're too busy hearing from everybody else. And when a person comes to me and says, Pastor Jeff, I just don't feel God, I always want to say this to them. Without the discipline of the word in your life, you will never feel God the way he's meant to be felt. You will be controlled by the language of the world that constantly robs you of the eternal and aims your focus toward the temporary. But the problem is God is eternal. And if you want to feel the presence of eternal being, you've got to hear the communication. You've got to listen to his language. And he's given it to you in the word, the graphe, that which is written. If you want to feel God, it's not a cure-all, but the first thing you ought to do when you leave today, your action point is to go out here and get yourself a devotional and decide that you're going to engage in the discipline of the word so the spirit of God can get the word of God in you to give you what? The right word at the right time in the right situation. And you will feel God again. That's the beginning. It's not the end. It's not all. Number two, as you're listening to the language of God, you've got to learn to listen to the language of self. I'll bet you never thought you'd have a pastor tell you to talk to yourself. I'm telling you, you've got to talk to yourself. By experience, somebody may come and take you and put a straitjacket and put you in an insane asylum, but it'll be worth it. Talk to yourself. The Apostle Paul says so much in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 when he says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Folks, captive every thought. A major thought that you're going to have throughout your entire life as a Christian is that God is not near. Folks, your emotions will lie to you. And the reason they'll lie to you is because what you believe determines how you feel. So if what you believe is wrong, your emotions are going to line up with it. And although your feelings are real, they don't represent reality. Let me give you an example. My mom, her father was an alcoholic. She struggled with God because she brought the baggage of her earthly father into the relationship with her heavenly father. She saw God the way she did her dad. You could never please him. You were never good enough. He's always angry. Don't ask him for anything. He'll just lose his temper. Until she learned to bring those emotions that did not represent reality, to take them by the scruff of the neck and lead them to what she knew to be true, there's no way that her emotions could line up with reality. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest preachers ever to preach a man by the name of Martin Lloyd-Jones said it like this. The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. The essence of this matter is to understand that this self of ours, this other man within us, has got to be handled.
You think about it, folks. If you were raised in a church where you were taught that anytime you suffer in your life, God has abandoned you, what's going to happen when you suffer? You're going to think God's abandoned you or that you're not spiritual. But if you've got the truth of a word in you, the truth will then control your emotions because you know the picture of the cross, if nothing else is this, that it is possible to be in the worst possible position in your life and still be in the center of the will of God, i.e. Jesus. If you know that truth, when the emotions come where you feel abandoned by God or you feel far from God, you can take those emotions and escort them to the truth and know it is very possible that you are right in the center of the will of God and he has never been more present with you than he is right now. Your truth will determine how you feel. And so if you're not listening to the language of God, guess what? You don't have the word of God in you. Your emotions will lie to you. And even though your feelings are real, they do not reflect reality. He goes on to finish by saying this. Do not listen to him. Turn on him. Speak to him. Condemn him. Upbraid him. Exhort him. Encourage him. Remind him of what you know instead of placidly listening to him and allowing him to drag you down and depress you. He's saying, do not let this, inner, this other man in you that lies to you drag you down. Speak to him and say, wait a second. Say, what does that look like? Well, David did it in the Psalms. Think about it. He's depressed. He feels abandoned by God. He feels far from God. And he says this in Psalm, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. David's saying, why oh soul are you down in the dumps? Put your hope in God. I've learned in 27 years of ministry how powerful the word can be to change my emotions on a dime. When I failed God in some way and I wake up the next morning and I feel like I'm not saved, then because I've been listening to the language of God, the Spirit activates it. And I remind myself that I am not saved by works so that no man could boast, but I'm saved by grace through faith and this, not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. When I don't feel loved and I feel like I've blown it and I feel like I'm worthless and I don't feel like that I deserve to be in the pulpit or in ministry, I remember what Jesus says to the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Spirit in Romans 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. That's no thing. You know the definition of no thing is that which rocks dream about. Rocks don't dream. Nothing. Nothing at all separates us from the love of God. Nothing. And I remember when I'm the worst predicament of my life that the Bible tells me that God works everything together for the good of those who love him are called according to his purpose. Folks, if you say that you don't sense the presence of God in your life, it could be very, very well that your emotions are giving you a false picture of God that is not consistent with the word of God. And there's only one way to defeat that. Number one, listen to the language of God so you know the truth and how it reflects reality, then speak those words to yourself and you'll find that you'll feel the nearness of God. Number one, listen to the language of God. Number two, listen to the language of self. Number three, listen to the language of obedience. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff. But listen, this is so important. There's something about friends. There's something about your recognition that Christianity, to live in a Christ-like life is too hard. You cannot do it on your own. And to have people that will pull you out of the pit of despair, that people who will 
bring you near to God, not farther away. You got to choose your friends wisely. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.